Hey, it's Nigel here. This isn't the usual way we start a show, but bear with me. This episode of the podcast is the audio from our Manga Demystified panel that I did for the Thought Bubble Digital Festival. The discussion was great, but for whatever reason, the technology gods were not on my side and my audio suffered from a few technical glitches. Everyone else sounded fine though, so I don't know what I did to upset our recording software. So I wanted to give you a heads up before we start the episode. Even with the audio glitches, the conversation was still really good and worth listening to, but I just wanted you to know. However, if my audio glitches are too much, please do check out the video version of the panel, which is now on our YouTube channel and has better audio from my end. There's a link to that video in the episode show notes, so you have the option. Either way, I hope you enjoy the episode. And welcome to Manga Demystified. My name is Nigel, and I'm the co-founder of the manga brand Mayamada and co-host of the podcast Story X Story. And we are here today to discuss manga, um, as you might have guessed from the title. So I brought together a crew, mm, a group, uh, a something of creators to discuss the topic. I was thinking like Avengers style, but then realized it's probably more like Shonen style. Uh, to some of you, that will make sense. Uh, to some of you, hold on just a moment and it will make more sense as we go. So let me get to the introductions. Uh, first, we have Japanese manga artist Mikiko. Welcome. <laughs> Hello. Thank so you. Mikiko has been on our podcast, uh, our Story X Story podcast before, where we talk about stories across pop culture. Uh, you're actually on our first interview episode. And now you're on our first video episode, so a bit of a trend there. Uh, yeah. Also also with us, we have um, comic creator and podcast co-host, or podcast host, Lara Callahan. Hi. Callahan, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Callahan, cool. Okay, Lara's good. Just making sure. Lara's fine. Uh, Lara has also been on the podcast before, so we'll have like links to everyone's episodes in the show notes. Uh, a first timer with us who has never been on the podcast before, so this is like a new experience, is the co-founder of the animation studio The Line, Wesley Lewis. Wesley, welcome. Thank you for having me. Glad you're here. Be good to get your perspective. So uh, like I mentioned, this is the first video interview panel thing that we've done. But if you are interested in storytelling um, and comics, manga, anime, video games, you can check out the now mostly audio podcast, Story X Story, that I co-host. Uh, it's available pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. You can also send us your feedback uh, on this discussion to feedback at mymatter.com. Uh, and with that, we're going to get straight into our topic for today. So the reason why I wanted to have this discussion uh, with you all is I've been an exhibitor at Thought Bubble. Mostly, most of the time, I'm like one of the very few handful of manga uh, creators out there. Uh, and I've always had the impression that there's some awareness of manga, but maybe not 
enough if, if in my biased opinion uh so yeah i just wanted to have this discussion because that's a shame because obviously like mango is great again biased opinion but hopefully if you're not of that opinion we can convince you in the next uh 40 odd minutes so yeah we just wanted to talk about what manga is uh beyond the stereotype that some people might know it for um how it's being used uh in and out of japan what the culture is around it uh, and yeah hopefully get some people interested um so maybe the next time we go to like a physical thought bubble um convention there'll be like different reactions so i want to get started with finding out where everyone got into manga and or anime or anything to do with it so i'll start with uh wes because you've got an interesting use of the anime style like how did you find your way into that and uh do you have any favorite uh, animes it's a good question actually I think from probably quite young, I was always interested in uh, kind of Japanese-inspired kind of animation without actually realizing it was Japanese. I think it's only probably, I want to say it's when I first saw Akira that when I started looking back on the things I watched as a kid, I realized, um, like, saw the similarities and realized that a lot of these things came from Japan. But it could have been Samurai Pizza Cats. I'm not entirely oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. It could have been one of those one of those two things, but I know there was definitely a point where I was looking at animation and all the stuff that I really loved and all the stuff that I liked. When I started looking back on the things I watched as a kid, like Voltron, Gatchaman, all that kind of stuff. Even like, I don't know, more Western TV series like Thundercats as well. Like if you look at the intro, that's very that's a very Japanese kind of aesthetic. Um, you know, the Canada style, you know, strong keyframes and crazy shapes. So yeah, I think it was was then. Um, in terms of my favorite, it's a hard one. If you talk about like ongoing series, it'd be like, well, at least the first Dragon Ball run. So Dragon Ball up to Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. I didn't watch GT. I felt like I was betraying them. <laughs> and then um, yeah, I didn't either. I watched Super recently, which I think is is okay. I think I prefer the. I love the the most recent movie that they did, um, Dragon Ball Broly. Like I thought that was like incredible i just i like the story because normally the move the movie stories aren't they're okay but i, I more watch them because of the visuals but i think this one i actually got quite invested in the story and like the the characters uh, if we're talking about mm. feature film akira is always always going to be at the top i think and then um there's others like uh tech on kinkrete as well and i love anything that ghibli does um, specifically yeah. Kiki's Delivery Service that's my favourite one people are always surprised to hear me say that but <laughs> I'm like it resonates with me because you know she's a a witch who kind of lost a passion for it once it became work and I can completely relate to that in terms of drawing and stuff yeah it's an interesting way of looking at it I haven't actually heard of someone talking about it like that like it like it like that yeah definitely as soon as I, I saw it I was like, like I get I completely understand how you're feeling. Not that I don't love my work anymore, but I've understood the taking something that you love, doing it every day, and then as soon as it becomes work, it now isn't as as fun. Yeah. Well, it depends on what you're working on. A lot of stuff that we do is quite fun, um, but I, I definitely have had that that feeling. So. I was going to say, you literally have lost the magic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of art block, yeah. Yeah, that art block. I think it's like, you know, yeah. again, just how she comes out of that and, you know, either something, her taking a little bit of a break, but then something forces her to kind of come out of that kind of weird space that she's in. I think everyone needs that sometimes. So, yeah, it's um, 
but like I said, anything that Ghibli does, I think the first Ghibli movie I saw, again, when I was younger, was uh, Laputa, Castle in the Sky. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> cool. How about you? How did you sort of find your way into manga and anime and, and favourites? Yeah, for me, it was a, it, it was quite different, obviously, because I'm half Japanese. So my mother is Japanese. I was b- born in Tokyo as well. and uh, But I only lived there for a very short time. So the only time I spent in Japan usually was summer vacation, like summer holidays and any sort of travel to visit family. And I went to German schools because my other half is German. So my dad's German. And the system it was so that like people just didn't know what anime or manga is. And I felt very isolated because we moved around the world a lot. So, so I lived in a lot of countries and nobody knew anything about manga or anime at that time. So for me, it was kind of like I grew up with it and it was always a piece of home. And whenever I went back to Japan, I would just buy loads of loads of manga, <laughs> bring them with me wherever I went. And if my aunt would film, like she would record things on, on TV, like I remember Kenshin was, was running and she would like record episodes and then send them to me and stuff like VHS tapes. So it was really very much a piece of identity for me that I missed very much when I was out in the world so to speak and then whenever I came back it was just like kind of this comforting thing and then eventually the the manga boom happened where everybody started to read manga and everybody started to watch anime and then suddenly I had access to everything so I'm just I'm really happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, when it comes to favorites it's kind of difficult because I think there's like a little a, spe- a very special thing for every stage of my life I suppose and so it's it's kind of hard to say it's this one thing. Um, when I was very, very, very little, I used to watch uh, a series called Gegege no Kitaro, and it was like a ghost story series. And it was like this this half ghost boy. Well, you can see why I might have identified with that. He was like half ghost, half human. And he would do little errands for people and, and ghosts alike to sort of have them live in harmony. And it was kind of really kind of spooky still which I really liked. So that was big in the 80s that I really liked. And then as I grew older, I realized that anime and manga was a thing of itself, like a real like a genre, I suppose. It never really occurred to me until then. And then I decided at that point I wanted to be a manga artist. And that was when I was around 12 years old. And I read my first Shonen Jump comic manga. So I read uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, which I think was translated to Poltergeist Report. And it's not even that great, but it kind of introduced me to like Enough to pull you in. genre. Yeah, yeah, it pulled me in for this, this, oh, you know, it's like boys going on an adventure. And I much prefer the boy stories over the girl stories and just like like beating the odds and fighting evil. Like that was just so cool to me. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then later on, I think nowadays, if people ask me what's your favorite series in general, it would be Berserk, which is very different from what I draw. It's very dark and uh, heavy, and I, I really like heavy drama, tragedy. Like that's that's my jam. <laughs> yeah, and uh, for the people which I did promise you would hear more about Shonen, um, so you're welcome. Um, Lara, uh, how did you find your way into uh, the world of manga? So just listening to Wes and Kiko as well, it's interesting to hear that I think the three of us have a similar kind of introduction as a young kid. And not necessarily knowing it was a thing, just enjoying the medium. So my first introduction to manga, 
uh, was, I think I was in year six. I was in the US and I found it was volume four. Um, so I wasn't cognizant enough to like look for number one. And I remember just, I think I may have sat in the, the store and read most of it. So then we had to buy it kind of thing. Right. But then I remember absolutely enjoying it. You know, it's a, an amazing story. And book four is where Sailor Jupiter is introduced. So most of the scouts are there. And this idea of having this kind of girl unit just struck right in the heart of a 10-year-old girl. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was, that was it. And I, I, thinking about it, I didn't register it was anything different to anything else I would have enjoyed when I was 10. So it, what, it didn't fall into any category of manga or anime or even Japanese. I don't think I conceived that it wasn't anything but cool. Do you know what I mean? So, And then it was a snowball effect. So I remember having only one book. I wanted to read more. And then coming back to England, there was only maybe two or three places where I could buy manga. Forbidden Planet, I live in London as well. So Forbidden Planet in, um, in Tottenham Court Road. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. And so I'd have to go and spend my money to try and get these Sailor Moon books, which I struggled with. And then I bought loads on the internet. And then you get recommendations. So by this stage as well, I, I was on kind of the manga trajectory to finding out about more things down the same group basically i didn't actually have an introduction to anime proper if you don't count like pokemon um i didn't even see the um sailor moon anime for a long time so i really did just dig so you start off with sailor moon and then i think the next thing i ventured into maybe could have been dragon ball the original series um, without ever seeing it i think because i didn't have sky so i couldn't get cartoon network to watch these things so i thought okay, oh, okay. i'm just gonna read the book <laughs> you know it was a key key component yeah I, I think i only really attributed it to being japanese and not it's something different to being expect the expectation of uk comics when i was older and then suddenly you find that actually people who are maybe who grew up on english or american comics or cartoons see anime as different and separate I'm here to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> they are the same, except that the, way, the storytelling medium in Japan is so much more ubiquitous. That's why it can it can touch the hearts of a 10-year-old girl, talk about like friendships and female friendships and courage and all of that. But at the same time, Berserk is incredibly on the other end of the spectrum. And to lump them into one thing of this is what manga is, it's Sailor Moon and Berserk and then Dragon Ball and all of these other things. It just sounds mad to, to put it all into one. And uh, you asked me about my favourite as well. <laughs> Sailor Moon, I'm just going to say that. It started all. Sailor Moon. Uh, so I, I'll just say uh, what Wes says. Once Wes says, um, uh, my piece of cats, that, that was definitely me. Uh, so I came, to, I came into things like backwards. I was very much watching, more reading. And recently... To be fair, relatively recently since starting a mega brand and wanted to sort of learn more. But yeah, definitely Samurai Picats and Transformers and were my thing without even realizing they were anime <laughs> uh, at all. It was like the cool things that I, I needed to watch and go to the, the log video store uh, immediately dating myself um, to get the next like Transformers. So yeah, so it's cool. Everyone's kind of like kind of in relatively similar ways, like not having that initial awareness, awareness of this is a manga or anime is just a cool thing. 
So before we go any further, uh, I want to just establish like a, a ground a ground of what is manga. So Makika, as you're someone who is born in Tokyo, can you just give us a, a base like what is manga, what is anime, um, particularly versus sort of the Western counterparts? Yeah. So when I was growing up, uh, I noticed that whenever I was in Japan, people would use the word manga pretty much as a blanket term for anything that was sequential art or storytelling through imagery in in some form so it really didn't mean like comics from japan at all uh, it was just anything sequential anything that tells a story in form of drawings and um i think over the, the years i've noticed that um with this this idea of of separating the Eastern and Western comics, people have started to refer to American comics uh, as amekomi, like shortening things again, American comics, um, versus manga, for example. So that's a, a f in my opinion, fairly newer uh, development, but it's probably to differentiate the style. That's what I think personally. Um, so yeah, so so essentially, I I use the the word comic mostly for everything I do and I include manga in it just because people that I meet at conventions tend to understand comic better and if they say oh this is Japanese then I say yeah we we might call it manga but it's still a comic I mean it's still the same thing so that's how I tend to use it just to sort of keep people not to scare anybody off or anything and uh yeah <laughs> you know I think if we think about it in comparison to traditional Western comics, kind of the question is, what do I get from manga that I don't get from Western comics? And I, I do touch back to a very broad storytelling. So I can look to Japanese comics or manga to tell, to give me stories that I don't see out of Western artists. So I don't know for the, the breadth of... <laughs> everything i can't think of anything off the top of my head now but i don't see the stories so for example sorry to go back to sailor moon but i'll harp on about it i'm actually wearing a sailor moon top at the same time so but i mean <laughs> somebody, i think you know and i've talked to lots of people about this but where are the stories about female friendships and collaborating with other women in the western comic world but and that's one example and then even things like akira which is a very dystopian teenage story, predominantly surrounded, you know, there's, there's drugs involved, there's Tokyo being demolished in 2020. Where are those stories in in the West in Western comics? I, I don't I just can I feel like sometimes I can pivot to manga and I get this wealth of every different type of story. And I pivot towards the Western comics and I don't see that. And and I, I'm completely open to ideas. So and that's why one thing I like about small press vessels and things like Thought Bubble, because that's where we find the stories, not necessarily in the big publishing houses. And we find those stories more in small press, I think, in the UK at least. Whereas in manga... Yeah, but like that higher so level, or that wider level, that mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I'd agree with and And where's you? Because because uh, out of all of us, you're, you're working in the um, animated uh medium so uh when i saw your work and just seeing the the, the inspiration uh from anime in love the the videos that you produce uh same question to you like what is it about that style that you particularly like that you've kind of carried over before i go into that quickly i just wanted to find something um 
Mikiko said about the differences between uh, manga and anime and how it's used. And uh, I thought I found that quite interesting that they've in Japan they've got their own word for American comics now. I like that too. I thought that was quite, <laughs> quite good. Because I think um, when I was growing up, like we, so we had the man manga entertainment here, so everything that looks Japanese was just called manga because of this company that was called Manga Entertainment. And then um, often online, like people have debates about what manga is, and you know that's not anime because it's not Japanese. Even there was debates about Tech on Kingcrete not being Japanese animation because the director is not Japanese of um, of that film sort of thing. But actually, anime is what they refer to as, you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, Bikiko, but what they refer to as animation. So they would call Toy Story, in Japan, they would call Story, Toy Story anime, you know, because it's just, it's, it's their word for animation. Whereas here, we're like, anime is Japanese animation sort of thing. So I thought that was a interesting thing that you point that you raised but yeah um my influences it was just mostly i didn't read a lot of i don't read a lot of comics anymore or i don't even know if i read that many when i was younger to be honest but the influences was more well number one the drawing especially that the type of details they'll put in the background and just the cinematic experience as well so i think typically if you look at not so much now but i think back then when you would stage animation, it was staged in a very kind of almost theatrical way. So you could see their silhouettes and all this kind of stuff. So you could read the character, what the character's doing instantly, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. Whereas I feel, feel like with anime, it was just very cinematic. Where they would place a camera is not something you would do in animation. So they're almost treating animation like a medium and not a genre, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. I think nowadays it's a little bit different especially like you know with companies like pixar i mean you know the film the things that they do is very cinematic if you look at something like wally -E, for instance like they they spent so much time messing with the lenses to give that kind of imperfect look you know um and like a very cinematic feel to their visuals and i feel like with anime it's very cinematic it's very kind of things aren't staged very typically like so even when i'm working on something i'm not particularly worried about the silhouette of a character i'm more looking at the image as a whole i don't know if that's the right way to do things but you know even like when i was studying we'd have a lot of kind of debates about oh well you can't see the character silhouette i'm like but you can see the character so yeah but if you do the silhouette thing and you'll be able to see them better it's like well they're not going to be blacked out so it doesn't really matter that's the way i think i understand the logic behind it but again it's like it can be some things and if you apply color and you know now you can add depth for field and all that kind of stuff to it, then it shouldn't matter too much. Um, but yeah, but basically the main thing for me was like just the execution of the the drawings, the how much how much detailed drawings had, um, like especially with things like vehicles. So if you look at like Pat Labor or anything like that, the the amount of detail and not using computer like you know CG, like not using CGI is insane. Yeah, when you look at those yeah. things and to think that the work is all done on paper is um it's mind-blowing if you look at any like a Kira line test pencil test it's like i'm like how are these people being able to kind of i mean how are they still sane number one and how are they being able to create such imagery frame by frame over and over again with that amount of detail so that was something that was really interesting to me and then i, I guess if we talk yeah sorry Oh, uh, you've you've reminded me as well that the cinematic aspect is in manga as well 
And it, co- yeah. going back to comparing manga against Western, I because I sort of I you know grew up with reading manga. When I made a cons- like a, a, an effort to start reading Western-based comics, things like Marvel, Viva Vendetta, all the tick box, you know, Watchmen. Something that jarred with me was how there weren't any of these landscape or like mood panels. There were a couple. Maybe there was a splash page. But in manga, they're everywhere. Yeah. Manga isn't necessarily nine panel grit or, you know, you have these fe- like very flowy things or, you know, you have the character like looking to one side or something. It's not necessarily about capturing that character and it's like setting the mood. Cinema is cinematic. Yeah, I think that's actually a very good point because you also mentioned that it, it has an element that people can relate to. And if you read... um Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. He actually covers this very well about the difference between Western and Asian comics. And the, yeah. the big aspect I've is that... Um, down here. It, yeah, so it shows um, panels with things happening simultaneously, which is emotional or environmental things at the same time as action, while the Western is mostly focused to uh, on action to action. And so you'll, you'll have like a scene where you'll have a panel of, like, let's say a kitchen, you'll have a panel of something bubbling in the pot, you'll have a panel of, like, the, the steam rising and, like, little bits and pieces that kind of paint a whole picture versus, like, in the West, it might not necessarily be um, laid out that, that way. And I think when we were, like, young and we saw our first manga and anime, that might have been a big element of why we got pulled in is because it, it, it very much speaks on an emotional level to us, I think which might be a bit lacking mm. in other areas. Like I find that a lot of superheroes things don't really interest me that much because they're just too out there, <laughs> like a bit too far, <laughs> you know, maybe. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think that's going back to what Lara said about the comics being cinematic as well. I actually, I think that's a really good point. Like Dragon Ball. I remember the first iterations of Dragon Ball that I got was actually in Japanese. So I didn't know anything about this until, like, I mean, I had the comics, but I couldn't, obviously, I can't read Japanese, but I'm going through the panels and understanding what's going on just by looking at the drawings. But the interesting thing about that as well is that the panels, the way they're drawn, you can almost, they they almost feel like storyboards. Like, you can almost feel when a character's, this scene is slow motion or this scene is going really fast. And that's something I never got from, you know, I I guess, American comics. and I mean, I'm influenced by everything. I mean, I watch, I love MCU. I watch uh, superhero movies and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I was I was big into like Todd McFarlane when I was younger. Um, then there's a, oh, he did Danger Girl. It will come to me. Um, and um, Joe, uh, Joe Mad as well, who had a bit of a, it felt like he had a bit of an anime influence to his, his work as well. But I think definitely with the comics, like Japanese comics, you could remove the words and kind of gauge about 80% of what's going on just by the way the panels are placed. You know, if a character's distressed, if something's moving really quickly, if something's moving really fast. Yeah, and it's something that I've tried to get into my work, even when I'm directing and having, it, you know, the advantage of moving an image around and having sound and all that kind of stuff. But just to be able to look at something instantly and, can t- and you can tell what's going on, I think is a very kind of uh, a powerful thing. That it's quite amazing. I think that... Um, that emotion, um, like that emotion, of course. I, I found that like even more because as well as like, creating manga, I work with young people, like 
in schools, sort of from like as young as seven, eight, uh, to sort of 15, 16, I've noticed like a big um, interest in manga and just in their reaction to it and some of the, the, the type of kids that are interested in manga. Uh, and I think that that varied emotional palette, I've made that phrase up, I don't know if that's a real thing, but um, just that range of emotions that you get in manga um, kind of connects more different types of personalities. And I feel that is a, is a key thing for like drawing people in. So yeah, I definitely agree with like what you guys are saying. Yeah, I think you've nailed it as well because I, I still, I don't want to write off Western comics in the same way I don't want people to write off manga as just Japanese comics altogether. And I think my, my thinking now is that they are merging. So you are seeing traditional, like traditional Western MCU comics or DC comics or whatever taking some of what we would traditionally associate with manga, say those big cinematic splash pages or emotional things happening. Maybe they did happen to some extent back in the day as well, but now it's kind of merging into one. And like that, that line starts to blur because if you associate manga or anime with a certain type of drawing or style, where does Ghibli fall into that? Does, does it, you know, I didn't watch the new Ghibli, the um, computer generated one yet. But how does that fit into this as well? So it feels to me as if they're kind of merging now, which is interesting because I think if comics in general become more mainstream, let's say, like uh, the thought bubble audience are open-minded people because they know that the small press is fantastic and we all want more of that. And the next step would be to start to introduce this idea of comics from around the world and the stories. But going back to your emotional thing as well, I think just discard everything I've just said, um, where are the high intensity emotional comics in the West? So your serial, like the serial comics that have been released every week or whatever, don't see that kind of emotional highs and lows and romance and despair and all of this kind of stuff. I don't see it. I, but maybe I'm not looking. I'm always open yeah, to I think, it. Yeah, <laughs> it depends. I guess it depends on where you look but i wanted to touch on as you brought up like the influences one of the things that i always find funny with uh, talking to people who aren't so into manga is not everyone's aware of the influences that already exist in western whether it's comics uh, a lot of times films uh, that come from manga and anime so i was just going to take a quick moment i actually have some notes here that for anyone watching who who might say they, they're not aware of manga, you might have watched something that's already inspired some, by manga. So let me just throw out some things here. Uh, so if you've seen the film uh, Speed Racer, um, that was inspired by the anime uh, Mac Go Go Go, um, Monster Zinc, uh, influences from uh, My Neighbor Totoro, um, Studio uh, Ghibli, uh, Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks, uh, very much inspired by Lone Wolf and Cub, Pacific Rim, um, Neon uh, Genesis Evangelion, Inception uh, film, even uh, Christopher Nolan mentioned influence of the anime Paprika, uh, Alita Battle Angel uh, from a manga, Battle Angel Alita. Uh, we actually covered that on our podcast. Uh, another thing we covered on our podcast is the uh, Tom Cruise film uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which uh, is based off the manga All You Need Is Kill. Uh, in fact, Lara, you won that. That was an episode you were on. There you go. Yeah. Um, one that Very people might know, The Lion King, because uh, there was a lot of controversy over 
you know, it being a quote-unquote rip-off of uh, Kimba the White Lion. Um, another couple ones, Black Swan, I've not seen, but uh, I've been made aware that there is, um, uh, was it the, is it the anime Perfect Blue? I don't know if you guys know that. And then The Matrix, uh, Ghost in the Shell. So if you've seen any of these, you may already uh, be more into manga and anime than you think. Uh, so when I put together this list, uh, and just thinking about it in general, just like, so even though the awareness I feel in the West of manga and anime is not so high, there's something uh, about it that Western filmmakers uh, are sort of gaining influence uh, from or in inspiration from. So is it something that they're getting that the general audience is not? So it feels to me like these titles or like the the manga can only be seen if it's been westernized <laughs> in in some way is that is that true is it or is there some other reason some other thing that i'm missing what do you guys think um so i i think it's i don't think the creators know anything more than than the audience it's really just a case of the creators being creators so i think since we're all creators we probably know that if we see something that is amazing we don't care where it's from and that yeah. we just soak up any sort of inspiration that we can and we and ultimately like the goal of doing that is to then share what we know or love and i suppose give it our own voice right and i think that's kind of the process that's happening and i know that like there's still always some diehard fans who complain about this <laughs> this westernizing some idea but I don't really think it's really some some band of evil Western <laughs> directors trying to rip off ideas. It's really just people enjoying something, trying to share it in their own voice. Uh, that's that's kind of my take on it. Sure, there's probably some horrible cases where it's not the case, but that's like my first reaction to this, where this is what we do every day. We we look at things, we exchange with other creators, what we know and love and and enjoy and then we we essentially remix and and recreate something with our own voices and yeah that's what i think i was just going to say that i actually thought my first impulse is that people the wider community of comic readers in the in the uk let's just say are assuming manga is a thing so they don't associate manga with even western directors taking stories and then translating it into another film altogether. It's more that they already have a preconceived idea of what they believe manga to be. So whether that's girls with massive boobs and short skirts or even just like mechas, you know, they that, that's their preconceived idea. There's no crack in that. And then, so if they were to hear that Pacific Rim was based on Neogenesis, they, if they watched the Neogenesis thing they realize it's much better but then it kind of like that's that's the break that's the breakdown their preconceived idea is something else altogether and yeah that's it so yeah. i don't actually think about the films themselves it's more that they're not maybe they're not being vocal about that they've got their influences from these areas yeah Did and i mean i definitely get the influence thing so was no i was just going to ask if laura liked pack room because i loved pack room <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I think I couldn't, get, I couldn't get past the fact that it just wasn't a neogenesis. I wanted a neogenesis live action. 
and I still I wait for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hope that you do that and do it justice. Exactly. I think I loved because I can see the I can kind of see the neogenesis kind of um, influence in it, but then it, I yeah. felt like it was influenced by so many other things as well, like you know, yeah. the sword and the rocket punch and stuff. I just had a fantastic time watching that movie. It's so corny, so like cheesy but it's, it's good it yeah I, I yeah I, I loved it um but yeah sorry um <laughs> that's, that's fine I mean, it's just i wanted to get across the idea of like mickey was said just taking influence from other things and even like i think of myself when i it was since i'm at my matter and i go into conventions when i was a thing um and talking to people and like the assumption that people would think that i'm I'm super knowledgeable about manga and I know everything and that's why I started a manga brand uh, and that's not everything and I, and I had to tell people like, like you'd be surprised like the, the stuff I've missed out on <laughs> in terms of manga and anime store like I'm, there are wide gaps in my notch and I always tell people like my influences come from all of like from books uh, from TV cartoons from everywhere and then I like the manga style like you know we touched on uh, before about sort of the range of emotions the range of storytelling, the, the visual style, and just mashing up into something unique that has my voice, and then, and then it goes up. So I think just the idea of, like Lara is like reducing manga uh, and anime to genre, it, it's then missing out on all there is and all that can be taken from it, um, which is a shame. So by listening to this, you kind of uh, piqued your interest a little bit. But yeah, just to, to be aware of like how... Uh, Western properties have actually been using um, manga and anime uh, in in good ways. I mean, there are some results. I think what I said was was pretty much a pretty list, but I mean, there are some uh, failures up there. But um, even sometimes, you know, you get it's like the whole sort of book versus film debate. Uh, some one's better than the other. I mean, I I was quite surprised, pleasantly surprised at um, Edge of Tomorrow or uh, or what was it called? Name to something, uh, live, live, die, repeat. live die, repeat, yeah, great, yeah, um, great. which is great. I, I actually like it, and I, I also really like the manga. Um, I probably prefer the, the manga just because it goes into more detail. It's typical books, it goes in more detail, and that gives you a better sense of the story. But they're, they're both good, um, and yeah, it's just it'd be cool if like people who had watched one property would then go and read or watch uh, the inspiration from that and then see this whole world of, uh, of storytelling. So, yeah, I just wanted to uh, get that out. Then the other question I had of, of Aka that is, so do you think, like, there's something that manga and or anime can learn from Western storytelling? I was just about to bring this up, actually, because I don't, I, you know, trying to be partisan about it as well. There are examples of where... Japanese artists have taken from traditional uh, Western thing. And the thing that comes to mind straight away for me is the borrowers. So Ghibli did a film that was based, it was, I think it was called Arabella or Arietta. Uh, Arietta. Yeah, thank you. So I haven't seen it actually. So, but I do know that it's based on the borrowers, right? And I'm not actually sure. Actually, I should have done my research before I've gone down this tunnel. But the borrowers <laughs> I thought was a traditional kind of uh, folk story, um, a European folk story. So them, for them to be able to take that, the, like Nkiko was saying, they obviously saw a story arc or a little 
influence. And then I think Ghibli has done this a couple of times. No, they, there's another. They did it with um, Ponyo as well. So Ponyo's uh, is is based on uh, the Little Mermaid. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, House Moving Castle is also a book originally, it is. a Western book. Mm-hmm. I've I've read it, and I was so shocked to find out that it's set in Wales. Spoiler: if you haven't read it, <laughs> in Wales. So, so I think there are these these elements that are taken, but it's across the board as well. So we're talking back in the day in the eighties and the seventies. They were pulling from America's uh, American comic strips at the time as well. So it is a kind of cyclical thing. Um, could they learn something? I think it's happening anyway. I think it's a natural kind of merge of selecting things. I was really interested. I don't know if anyone else has watched Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to get into this because I can talk like... No, I just bring it up because I genuinely put it... I had, it's an example of a Western uh, director and uh, production house, making something that's trying to be quintessentially um, like Japanese, right? Correct me if I'm wrong here. But trying to take from, or or like trying to give this Eastern kind of, for want of a better word, uh, feel to it. And I I was like, that's the opposite, but kind of it's feeding, the whole thing is feeding into each other all the time. And I was really surprised because I thought it was a Japanese Anime. I thought it was oh, okay. just like everything else. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's done like very authentically, I feel. Avatar was, a, I think that's, um, I could be getting this wrong, but typically if you have a, because it was animated in Korea by Studio Studio Mir, I don't know if I'm saying mm-hmm. it right, but it's spelled M-I-R. And typically what they do is they would set all the timing out if they storyboard in the States and then they ship it over um, for the animators of Korea to kind of like, you know, follow their timing. But I think the unique thing about Avatar is that they actually let the animators decide on their timing. They beats. They gave them all the reference and stuff, but they said like, you know, we'll do the boards of what we want to happen, but you animate it here. Um, just in terms of the influence, I think that because of, you know, just things like the internet and stuff, everyone is being influenced by everything else now. So, I mean, even like France has a very kind of rich tradition in art, art history and stuff. And the artists and animators that come out of France are incredible. They're, they're so good because they're, they've got like a strong foundation and a rich heritage in, in art. And and their government funds it properly. Yeah, and they've got and a very- And their artists. Exactly. And, and they've got, mm-hmm. they have a very, um, like a, a Japanese kind of feel to the way things move, but then also they have their own thing as well. So. It feels French. It's retaining its kind of Frenchness while having that kind of Japanese influence as well. And I've noticed again in uh, a lot of things that are coming from the States, like, you know, in animation is now being influenced by Japanese animation. And also with Japanese animation, it's just a lot more, um, because they've had to work economically, a style is kind of born out of that sort of thing. So if you look at like Western animation with like Disney and all that kind of stuff, it's like, it's a lot more full and, you know, you have a lot more, places for the characters to act but whereas in Japanese animation they had to kind of find a way to you know find shortcuts where you're doing you know you're trying to do more with less sort of thing so yeah so animating on like 
threes and fours instead of like ones and twos also makes a difference in how you space things and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, everyone's definitely being, I'm seeing everyone being influenced by everyone else now and there's like a bit of a emerging. And I think, you know, any artist who just draws from one kind of source is kind of crazy. Like I used to watch a lot of this. I still do like watch a lot of Disney. People are like, oh, you're into anime. Why do you watch, why do you watch Disney? I'm like, what are you talking about, man? They're like, you know, they more or less invented kind of feature animation. You like, you can't leave that stuff out. There's all, there's like, if you look in the right places, there's, there's, you can bring stuff into your work from everywhere. And I think it's important that, you know, people don't sit in an echo chamber. It's like, try and look outside of your, your influences. You can be predominantly influenced by anime and Japanese art, which I am, as you can see on my wall and all that kind of stuff, but you can still look outside of that. You know what I mean? I think it's a lot of what you said as well. It's, it's fascinating to hear the perspective you have on animation. Because I do see a lot of, I can only talk from the side of manga, I've got no experience with the animation side of it. But for example, you mentioned it's it, almost the style is born out of how it's produced. So manga, of course, was just very, very, you know, one week and then it's gone. And quick turnover, quick turnover on really cheap paper, black and white, printed in the millions and millions, you know, to be thrown away. And then the next, ep- the next episode is in the next week or whatever. Yeah. So think a lot of that for example color is just not a thing and even to this day when i read a comic and it has color in it i'm like oh hi well, look at this <laughs> and again if you think about if you think about like a lot like manga like if you look at uh, tezuka ozama he was very influenced by disney if you look at like uh, some of his earlier works and even some of his films that's completely disney influenced and stuff so it's like when people are like manga is better or you know Japanese animation is better, or Western animation is better. It's like, well, you know, what are you taking from it? It depends on on who's actually kind of drawing and what influences they're, they're using and stuff. Because if Ozama can take influence from like Disney, then why can't anyone else? And still kind of enrich their work and have it have that, you know, have that, that strong kind of anime influence, that Japanese influence in their work. So yeah, totally agree with that. I think yeah, boss influences like from from different styles, different genres. So I, I'm not going to go back to the Avatar because I can have no more <laughs> than that. But I, I did want to come to the end of the conversation. But yeah. I was um, just as we come to the it. end of the, yeah, no, I'm I'm being strong. I'm trying to hold. Strong. <laughs> uh, I really want to, but I'm hold strong. Um, but I did I did want to um, as we come to the end of the discussion to get recommendations from people. So, like I said at the beginning, there there may be people watching this that. Uh, hopefully now are they weren't curious before about manga anime are curious and might want to check something out so if we go around and just say uh give one recommendation i know it's hard there's like so much stuff but if there's something you would suggest someone who's new to the um medium go and check out whether it be manga or an anime what would you, what would you suggest i would just go first and just say uh, avatar just watch that and uh you have to be right uh mckeek <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you what do you what do you think it's, it's kind of difficult because it, it depends on the age group of who is asking. But I would say Ghibli films, I've, I'm a big fan of the old Ghibli films. So anything between like the early, the first one, Nausicaa, all the way to, oh, I don't know, when I last, I think. Spirited Away? I think Spirited Away. That's where, yeah, those are like, that's the golden years. Those I would absolutely recommend. I'm not so keen on the newer things, I must say. That for anime? Just because it's all ages and suits everybody. Yeah. So if somebody comes more from a from a like a US comics 
a background, I would suggest watching uh, Akira. Absolutely, um, absolute masterpiece. Even even if it's like I don't know how old now, it's like thirty years old. It still holds up to this day. It's amazing. You can read it as well. It's good to read. Yes, and read it. <laughs> so manga as well. I've watched the movie loads of times, and I've recently bought the um, the books. I actually did an, uh, a kind of interview on Cartoon Brew about Akira, like what influenced me most. Um, but yeah, Akira is definitely a good one. What else would you suggest? Uh, for for manga, I'm currently really into Dungeon Meshi, which is like a really fun thing. I don't know if it's available in English yet, but I think it recently got a license bought by somebody. And it's like, since it, Dungeons and Dragons is really popular right now, maybe that's up some people's alley. What it is, it's like an adventuring group who goes into dungeons, but they run out of food and they have to start slaying monsters to cook and eat in like a very typical manga style of tasty foods and recipes so it's like a <laughs> cooking manga but with I like, like adventuring it's really funny <laughs> um, but it has a decent like it has a really good story to interesting characters it's not too cliche in anything but it's like doesn't take itself seriously when the cliches happen which is perfect and um yeah so i i i think that's my recommendation since i'm a huge dungeons and dragons nerd as well so <laughs> i'm a huge food nerd so uh, i'll keep that in mind uh so um uh, yeah. uh, the english title the english title is uh delicious in dungeon i think or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it says a lot cool lara what would you recommend so i know someone whose opinion was 360 transformed 180 transformed from manga just being about young girls and for children as in it has no i think he said uh, it's for young children and perverts his opinion was absolutely changed with 20th century boys which mm -hmm. is obviously incredible but I would also say not only is manga depending on age range, like Nikita said, but I would also say if you want to go for like a long form serial, like a soap opera kind of thing versus maybe kind of like a smaller one shot or, you know, it all depends on how you feel. Do you want to commit to something or do you want something that's more? Because I think even Akira, even though it's quite big and chunky, it's quite limited at the same thing, whereas something like 20th Century Boys goes on for two seasons and I think there are 24 volumes in each season so it's quite hefty it's quite a commitment but it is worth it yeah and of course I agree with Makiko as well age range is completely just a whole spectrum so I would say Sailor Moon is the most perfect thing that's ever been written <laughs> <laughs> I've rounded my circle I but I genuinely think that it's I'm still waiting for someone to come to me with an educated flaw in Sailor Moon because even when people say, oh, is it, you know, is it too heteronormative? Nope. Is it too, like, female-orientated? Nope. I just think it's it's really good. Even for, I reread it as an adult, and I still think it holds up. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Start as I mean to go on. I like it. Wes, do you have a recommendation? Or did you mention, mention the Kira? Right? No, I was, just, I was just backing up a... Um, okay, <laughs> Mikiko. I'm gonna say recommended. I want to say two. One Punch Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good stuff. I read it recently. I've never read it before. I just, I've just read it. Yeah, One Punch Man. I mean, I haven't read it. I've watched the the, the show season one, and I was blown away by that. And um, 
I guess the other one's Guren Guren Lagen. This uh, oh, oh, uh, that would be yeah, my recommendation. That I only watched that this year. Okay. Yeah, so blown away. Um, and I know I'd say I'm gonna end, but I just say like the the emotional uh complexity in that uh, in that story and how it handles uh, death as well is very mature and very well done. Uh, it, it's great for other reasons, but yeah, it was a very mature. Also, I think it blurs the line a lot between it's very kind of like when you look on the surface you can see who the villain is and who the bad guy but actually the goals of everyone in the protagonist and the antagonist their goals are all exactly the same it's just that they have a very different way of trying to you know protect the planet sort of thing so um, and just yeah the animation style I mean I love anything that Trigger does anyway or in my sheet but um yeah those would be my two recommends in terms of like something that's a bit more new school i suppose and i i do want to recommend something just one more thing i recently read a book called the right way to make jump it's a manga and it's about how shonen jump is made it's so interesting and it's it's all told from the perspective of this failed manga artist and it's so it's a little bit comical, it's a little bit surreal, but it tells you actually how the whole the history of Shonen Jump, which is one of the biggest ongoing serials of manga in the, in Japan and across the world. So just a really interesting take on how these things are made. Okay, very much as well. So, uh, I'm gonna try and get as many of those recommendations in the video or podcast uh, show so for people to uh, investigate more. But uh, yeah. Um, I just want to end by just letting people know where they can find you. So, uh, where, where can people find uh, you, your work? Uh, let us know. Yeah, you can. I mean, I haven't posted in quite a while. <laughs> I'm going to start soon ish. Busy working. I've just been busy. Yeah, yeah. yeah busy working. But then also, like, um, if I've got nothing to draw, then I don't, I don't force myself to post stuff. But um, uh, Libra Bear is my handle on um, Instagram. And then uh, my company, The Line Animation also has an Instagram as well. So you can find me in any one of those two places. I'm going to add you right now. <laughs> Thank you. And Mickey, where can people find and see your work? Yeah, so I've got a website called mikiko.art. That's M-I-K-I-K-O.art. And uh, everything's linked there, so you can read uh, most of my comics for free. There's a comics uh, link as well as a shop as well as a digital shop as well as all my social media so instagram twitter patreon everything is on there so mikiko.art yeah. cool and lara i'm the manga forum on instagram and sometimes it's manga <laughs> most of the time <laughs> and some of the times my drawings as well i am part of the whip comics in london which is a comics collective who make comics and talk about our comics and we did have a table at Thought Bubble we will be selling our comics at Thought Bubble as well so very gutted we can't all party in person but I'm glad we're all meeting like this anyway we'll be free soon for sure of it yeah. <laughs> you know the cosplay there's a cosplay part which is the thing we didn't really touch on did we like the cosplay side of Thought Bubble because it's a thing it's a that's thing. a point yeah. I, I went in a rubbish costume, Misato Katsuragi from Neogenesis Evangelion, right? I thought I looked great, but my costume was rubbish. <laughs> I swore to come back 
with a vengeance and I would come back as Commander Katsuragi, which is in the newest series, right? <laughs> and I never got around to making the costume. So conveniently, let's do it next year and I will come yeah. dress. Now you have time. Right. To- <laughs> now I have time. Yeah, it's also, it's also on video, so now you have to do it. It's recorded. Um, so yeah. everyone, everyone knows it. Um, so yeah, you can uh, find my work. I'm like a co-founder of uh, Mima and we make uh, manga star, I say manga-ish uh, comics, uh, all ages comics in our own universe of anthropomorphic characters. So all our characters are animal-human uh, hybrids. Um, so yeah, you can check out mymada.com, uh, also on Twitter and Instagram, mymada on Twitter, mymada tees on Instagram, because someone had mymada uh, and everyone can do. Um, so, yeah, so that way you can find uh, and see more of our panel's work. Thank you, everyone, uh, for joining me. We could have spoken for a uh, whole length of time about oh. manga and, and anime. Yeah. I know, uh, <laughs> um, and definitely Avatar as well. Um, but <laughs> thank you all for joining me uh, in this discussion. Uh, thank you to Thor for giving us this platform, and thank you to everyone watching. Hopefully, we have turned some minds one eighty degrees or whatever the appropriate number of degrees to get you to check out so some manga I'm happy recommendations with, yeah if people want to try manga and then hate it come chat to me because you know like this is the other thing you know don't just I, open your minds like, like yeah. open, don't dismiss it out and yeah yeah so thank you everyone for joining us and we will see you next time mm-hmm.